This is Coda Radio, episode 532 for August 22nd, 2023. Hey friend, welcome back to Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and the business of software development and the whole world of technology. My name is Host, and taking it in on a hot floor today, it's our host, Mr. Dominic. Hello. Hello, and I am on location uh, in the New York Federal Courthouse with my good friend Donald. (laughs) Yeah. Now, are you involved in this scheme, or are you just there for like... You know, being in the crowd when he arrives. Well, little known fact, I've had a passion for education for years, and uh, I was actually the dean of Trump University. Oh, sure. Some things are starting to make sense now. The Yelp reviews are... Fake news. Fake news. Yeah, Yeah, you know, (laughs) totally. if you look at the one I featured from Tucker C., Uh we're doing great. Now, this Ronnie D. used to, you know, he was our valedictorian, but... I, I was like, it was his birthday. You know, I sent him a, you know, the new Disney Lorcana, the Mickey Mouse deck, the new trading card game from Walt Disney World. And he got all pissed off. I don't know why. Who, who hates Mickey? Yeah. Soft spot. Soft spot. Soft spot. Soft spot. I guess. Wow. I heard you were also the buddy that advised uh, the Big D not to uh, get involved in the debates. Smart move, man. Nobody likes to see democracy out in the open. Dude, I... Uh, kidding aside if you're the advertisers if there are any <laughs> right and you like trump is the attraction right i'm not watching those debates with trump i would definitely watch him because you know if trump were to go he'd be up all night with his i i imagine him up all night with a little unicorn notebook like a like a teenage girl writing some fanfic giving names to all his opponents right let us not forget little marco um yeah yeah i mean chris Classic. christie kind of writes itself uh, DeSantis. Now, DeSanctimonious. That's that's some uh, that's some mid stuff there, Donald. You gotta you gotta work a little harder. But DeSantis, I, I'm thinking. I'm just you know I'm offering this freely. Creative Commons, pudding fingers. Oh, I like it. Yeah. And 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 for Biden, he's already got Sleepy Joe. Which, if you've ever watched, there's a great YouTube channel of Biden, Trump, Obama, and sometimes Ben Shapiro playing Magic the Gathering. It's AI generated. Best thing on the internet. I can't believe you're still talking about that. There's four. (laughs) Yes, there are four and a half hours of it. A new episode just released. Oh, good. It is incredible. I love it. I keep watching it over and over again. I'm it's honestly it it reminds me of a time when politics was just a little more slapstick. Uh, Before you hold a candle vigil or head down to Folsom, uh, I have to pour one out, my friend. Or I guess I'm pouring one in. Microsoft is once again killed the connect is this like a walking dead situation it's like yeah it's a zombie that comes back you know because then they realize the franchise has legs but just maybe at a different target audience legs i mean i know i know there's a lot actually a lot of cool research projects with it but i feel like this is you know they just keep killing the connect it's you're literally beating a dead peripheral over and over again yeah yeah it's pretty wild it's 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 actually not dead yet either I'm not dead it's the black knight of peripherals it's the it's like it's like the craziest thing it's like a comic book character there's this company that i i don't know exactly the details so some of this i'm i'm just kind of assuming and guessing but i think they're called orbic and i think they like bought a bunch of the ip from microsoft and now, and they've already been doing this for a little bit, but like they've officially like taken over that IP now and they're going to, they've already been selling, but they're going to continue to expand like this line of connect devices that are purpose built for various industry. 
like robotics and logistics and manufacturing and fitness industries, you know, like the ones that like where they have a very particular use case and they're going to make the SDK essentially compatible. They're going to use an API bridge. So that way, if you're, you know, all your stuff's written for the Microsoft version, they have an API bridge. Oh, for my their gosh. Version. It's mono slash XNA. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it is like the zombie thing though, because like you, you have, you imagine like the technical debt with that old code base and now you're using this API bridge on these devices that have way higher resolution cameras and way different hardware. <laughs> you know what, though? Technical debt, there's also value, right? In an enterprise industrial yes. environment, this totally. makes a ton of sense. And it's just not big enough of a market for Microsoft to give a crap about. But yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I actually kind of think this is a good thing if you care about this kind of technology. Now, I know nothing about this Orbit company. Are they, you know going to be good shepherds of this technical debt? Are they going to be around a long time? Are they going to sell to TikTok or something? Right? Who knows? I think I get the sense they've been around for a minute and they kind of have an established customer base, which that to me is the live or die aspect for these guys. O-R-B-B-E-C dot com if you want to check it out. We'll have a link in the show notes too. And so they've got like their big boy mega one for like large conference rooms and they've got little mini ones and they've got like a midsize one and seems like the price ranges from like around $400 to over a thousand dollars, depending on what you want to do. And then of course you got to write your own software for it. Yeah. But the people in this market are either hiring dev shops to write it for them or, or they already have it. Yeah. They're not buying anything off the shelf. So this, that, that, you know, this makes tons of sense. I can't, I can't tell you how many projects I've done. Where it's like, you know, you know, jerry up a iPad or Raspberry Pi or more recently random Android tablets uh, to make our weird industrial peripheral that we need, right? It seems like Microsoft just maybe missed the mark. We'll see if the Apple Vision Pro does lead um, an increase in development interest in no VR situations. These devices would be such great companions for mapping rooms, creating 3D images of an environment that are very accurate, or perhaps working in conjunction with a VR headset. You know who should actually be the, be the customer for these guys? Hmm. The, the iRobot company, the Roomba company. Sure. Because they are, this is a weird side story. So I have two Roombas, and I am very annoyed because a pal of mine has the Chinese version of that. I forgot the name of the company. And it is just objectively better. It doesn't, smash into things all the time it realizes that a cat is not a permanent object that it has to hide from forever and they're probably both uploading floor maps to chinese government company based shell companies so what's the big deal oh i can see if well one of the challenges is when i moved i didn't realize you have to like tell the roomba that you moved <laughs> go figure it out robot. for like a couple of weeks it's like i don't know there's no more rooms in this house i'm done <laughs> like what it's over but yeah i mean i would love a vacuum cleaner slash floor mopper that was enabled with you know basically the connect right connect technology yeah they must have some sort of radar and whatnot in there or lidar but yeah well we're all going to get chips in our necks anyway soon Hmm. okay well we'll see about that hubcap 85 contacted me on matrix and he wrote he wrote hey guys i'm a longtime listener i'm a new dad who just lost a web3 job I want to say Chris was right about Bitcoin and all the other cryptocurrencies mm. being VC money grabs, but now I'm facing a dilemma. Should I just get out of tech? 
The boom bus cycles are hard to ride, and I don't know if I can keep up with the constant changes and demands of the industry. I want to have a stable and fulfilling career that allows me to provide for my family and still enjoy life. So I have a question for you guys. What would you do for a living if it had to be outside of tech? Do you think you have any skills or passions that could translate into a different profession? I'm curious to hear your thoughts and advice. Thanks for the great show. Keep up the work. Sincerely, a delusioned coder from Nashville. Hmm. Well, first of all, congratulations on the child. Yeah. yeah I remember I remember I was, you know, in my very early 30s or maybe just turned 30 when I had my first kid. It really made me rethink a lot of my work choices. Yep. I don't know. What would you do? If I had to do something out of tech, I mean, I'd probably still have tried to do something in radio or media, perhaps. Cause pretty, I was pretty into that from a really young age. It just never seemed viable for somebody who didn't have an in to the industry. So I just went on to tech. But I think if I had, you know, if I just followed my very first passion, it might have been radio. But I don't know. It's a tough call because I fantasize more about something that I can really take my time, but also produces results like like a barbecue restaurant or something like that, which would be ridiculous and hard and I would suck at for many years. But I fantasize about something where I, you know, I make a few things. I get really good at that. I kind of iterate on that over the years. Then I go home at the end of the day and I don't think about it much other than thinking about meat. <laughs> but I think that's so far out. Cause it doesn't, I don't really have any current skills that would translate to that. Where something in communications would probably work. See, for mine, you don't need any skills. Oh, I would have been much more cautious in my college and early 20s and have gone into politics. I think given the idiots who are junior Republican congressmen right now, I would have wiped the floor with them. Hmm, Boy, I I never really thought about going into politics. That would have been interesting. What what do you have to do? You have to understand things, be able to quickly come up with answers on the fly. Talk on your feet, yeah. Mm -hmm. And deny, deny, deny things that are incriminating. Know when to push the message, know when to bail. I, that's it. Uh, right, know yeah. what calls to take, what calls to define. Yeah, that would have been great. God, good thinking. The other thing that crossed my mind is if I had hindsight, I think a trade skill would, be, would have been really interesting to learn, like an electrician or something in the crafts. Oh, financially, that's, that's amazing. Right? Yeah, that would have been great. Or um, even like a technician to work, you know, a mechanic or an RV technician. They're so in demand right now that if I was a qualified mechanic, I could go get a job. I know, I know two shops I could go get a job from right now. Um, and it, I wouldn't mind that kind of work either, I think, but I don't know. Maybe it's only, maybe I only enjoy it because I do it as a hobby, but those are things that cross my mind, Hubcap, but I don't know about you. I don't know what uh, you have skills with, but keep us posted. Let us know how that turns out for you. And yet again, congratulations. Just a really short follow-up because yay. Remember that horrible, horrible self driving patent from Ford where they would seize your vehicle if you were late on payments. Well, Ford was granted the patent. Of course we, we don't. Yeah. We don't know if they're going to use it. I think we have some idea. You think they will? I think they will. Yeah, I do too. Actually, I hate to be such a cynic, but you know, not to hark on it, but my idiotic AT&T situation, right? If the rich company can just put the onus on you to prove that you're innocent, right? There will be cases where someone's car just drives itself away and the poor bastard has to like, prove to Ford Financial or whatever their uh I may be conflating it with GM, but whatever their loan servicing uh division is, that they are not in fact late on their payments, right? 
it's it's gonna happen and it's really stupid i uh i think they will too because it's a solvable problem it's actually easier than full self-driving because it just needs to be able to drive itself to a repo or to a dealership there's four dealerships everywhere across the country and uh, there's lots of repo locations so if it can manage some self-driving it just has to get itself from a to b and there'll probably be some situations where they can't do it but there'll probably be a good percentage where they where they can I have had the iPhone upgrade program since the iPhone 7. That's when Apple got me, and I just thought, I'm going to just do this. I'll keep up to date, and I'll just get the phone every year. And for the most part, I've pretty much liked the program. However, with the last upgrade program, they put a different email address for my contact for certain information, not everything, and they put it on a different card. And so yesterday, I called them up to figure out what was going on because I'd noticed I'm only getting some communication. I haven't got an account balance. Uh, it's not on the card. It's supposed like I'm you know going through the books. It's like it's not in the right spot. And I had no idea what was going on. And I'm starting absolutely from zero. Like I don't even know my account number for this loan program because it's all done through the Apple Store app. They just, you know, you go in a couple of nights before you do your pre-order. They get it all queued up. And then when they open up the pre-orders, you just go in and hit buy. You don't really finalize any details or change anything at that point. And so I didn't even catch that they had made this change. So I, I eventually got on the phone with Capital One, the people that do the iPhone loan program, and discovered that they hadn't successfully been able to bill me for a couple of months and that I was just moments away from basically getting my credit completely ruined because they somehow got the wrong email address in this entire automated system. And I was about to be fed to the hounds, and I had absolutely no idea it was going on. And I could only imagine something like that happening with my vehicle or something that I need to be able to, you know, take care of my kids and get to work. It's these systems screw up constantly. And I'm never doing after this experience because I had to go. I, you know, first of all, they started treating me like, like I was, I did. It just all of a sudden the tone changed. Like as soon as they realized that I had an account that had a negative balance or whatever you call it, a behind balance, the tone of the call got really hostile. They started, they told me they're going to start recording it. They started referring to me as Mr. Fisher instead of Chris. And like all this stuff just changed. And it's like, it felt oh, yeah. like a criminal all of a sudden. Oh yeah. And so I'm like, I paid the thing off and I'm done. I'm never doing the, the upgrade program again. Yeah. And also do you really need a new phone every year? No, I don't think so. That's just I don't think too. so either. Yeah. yeah. That's going to be a hard case for them to make this year. Hey, really quick meetups coming up meetup.com slash Jupiter broadcasting. If you're in Berlin, Friday, September 8th, Berlin with Brent is back. NextCloud conference is going on. There's a whole bunch going on around then. So go get the details. It's going to be at the NextCloud offices, meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting on September 8th. Keep in mind, the meetup times can be in Pacific on the page because they just think that we're doing all our meetups in Seattle, I guess. They haven't really thought about the fact that you might want to host a meetup in a different time zone. So watch out for the time zone stuff. But details are at meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting. And then shortly after that, on Saturday, September 16th, I'm going to be in Spokane, Washington for an Eastern Washington meetup. I promised people a couple of years ago I would do this. I'm making good. Right now, we're, we're doing it at the Iron Goat Brewing. Of course, um, I am open to other ideas. I'm just looking for something that's family-friendly and doesn't have a big reservation cost and has lots of room and good food and snacks, and this looks like it could be it. So if you're in the Spokane area or anywhere nearby, September 16th on Saturday, I'll be there hanging out 1 p.m at the Iron Goat Brewing Company. And uh, we'll fly Mr. Dominic in on, um, what's that really fast jet called? The, the Concorde? Oh, yeah, the Concorde. Wait, wait, what? Oh, they, oh, 
They don't fly in the car. All right. Well, maybe next time. Maybe, maybe next time. <laughs> Sorry. One day, listen, the aliens are coming. Um, and we'll just teleport me, right? Yeah, man. Yeah. Stargate, teleport, whatever it's got to be. Or maybe we'll just digitize you. You know, we'll you know have what? Mike GPT. I think as a prank, we should do an AI episode and see how many people notice. Absolutely. Which is somebody out there us. needs somebody out there needs yeah. to help us come up with that. You know, because remember that prank that that somebody put together for Lep 500 where. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was good. Yeah, it's possible. I think I think it's very possible. I want to thank our members of the Coder QA crew. Our numbers could use some boosting, I have to say. Um, I was looking at the stats and the Coder membership numbers could be stronger. CoderQA.co. You get a ad-free version of the show, plus you support the ongoing production. You're investing in the actual production costs and helping us keep it going. And, you know, we have a, we also have a, a party membership, Jupiter.party, where you can support all the shows. That's also very welcome. My goal here is during the summer, and I'm not, I don't think we're really doing very good. I don't think we're trending in the right direction for this goal. But my goal here is if the ad market were to somehow return by the end of the year, which I think is probably unlikely at this point. But if it were, it would be amazing if we didn't have to put more sponsors in this show. Um, because I think the more sponsors we have, the more work I have to do that's not related to show content, the more kind of like compromises that could have to be made down the road for content, for not content, but for tone. I don't know. There's just, I've been thinking a lot about this meta topic recently. And I think the fundamental problem with publishing on YouTube or, or publishing on Spotify or any platform that inserts ads and dynamic ads is kind of what I'm getting at. It, it creates kind of this general floor of how the discourse should be, what the content should be, what the focus of the content should be. And it you notice it because like all YouTubers kind of do the same things or everybody on Twitter that gets traction kind of has to do the same things. This is all part of like being in the platform. And I would be. I would be really happy if this podcast could survive predominantly by listener support and then the podcast being really selective about the sponsors we choose. Because one, it's a lot less work that isn't outside the content. We can focus more on the show. And two, it means we get to say no to the ones that I'm uncomfortable with, the ones that you might be uncomfortable with. And the way we get there is either through monthly memberships or uh, through boosts to the show. Those are the two platforms that we're really focusing on during this ad winter. And I'm trying to see where it goes. We had a great week last week, not as great this week. So overall, the trend has been down. And so I don't know if this will work, but we're still trying it through this ad winter summer. And then we're going to kind of reevaluate in the fall, I think. Right. And if that doesn't work, we're just going to take online sports betting ads pretty soon. So could could do, you know, dynamic, you know, those dynamic ads. I was listening to a podcast that had a dynamic ad for a credit card in a different oh. language. <laughs> I had one that had an ad for like my local Honda dealer. I was like, "How the hell? Oh yeah, man! Geotagged me? They do. Best. Yes, they do. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I'm not. Uh, one thing I will say that I, I, yeah, I would hate to go that dynamic ad route just because. I, have you noticed on a lot of these shows they're not like cut properly, right? Like the personal view, you could tell they they needed like another second to like naturally finish the sentence, but the way the dynamic ad insertion works, it's just like. And yeah, so that's why we're doing, and your local Honda dealer has some great yes. financing options available. It's so jarring. It's so yeah. jarring. That, that's that's because the cutting is happening uh, on the platform side. Well, it's programmatic, right? They're not, yeah. And and cutting an MP3 precisely can be like, when we do cuts, uh, when we do programmatic cuts here at JB, 
we always do it from source FLAC files, and then we encode the result into an MP3. You know what? No robot will ever replace the glory, perfection, and artisanship that is true. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. That's very true. And when you boost into the show, that's another way to support. A uh, portion of that boost goes to Drew. It goes to the new podcasting de- developers. It goes to JB, of course. It also goes to the podcast index to help encourage and support the podcasting 2.0 ecosystem. Uh, we'll have the boost coming up later in the show. We have some great messages in there. So thank you, everybody, who does support. And if you've been considering it, uh, we'd love to see a few more people step up. Uh, we'll have links in the show notes for all of that. Mr. Dominic, you've been hitting your head against ChatGPT's programming limits, it sounds like. I mean, that's the tease you gave me, at least. Yeah, so I, I have a little bit of uh, silicon bacon here. Oh, silicon bacon. Yikes. I don't know if I want to eat that, but smells surprisingly good. It's the finest out of Shenzhen. <laughs> I think they really like so th- these articles have been popping up in my artifact. Yes, I use the artifact app. You can yell at me later. Uh, my artifact feed that people are thinking that chat GPT four has been significantly nerfed. And I'm not sure how true that is, but I have noticed one really big flaw. And it came up and I was asking it questions. Uh, so like I'm working on this Unreal C++ thing. It's kind of my backfill project. Like I work on it, you know, just a couple days a week I work on it, right? And it doesn't know things that it, I think it should know. You have like an example? Yeah, it doesn't know like what the new APIs are, right? Oh, okay. So then I gave it like a, a question I already knew the answer to in Angular. You know, something I'm like much more, you know, fluent in. And it was both out of date and kind of wrong. So I did some digging. It, one, doesn't know anything past September 2021, which they say, right? We know that. But I'm pretty sure it is not actually thinking. Um, Once you get past like the write me a basic, you know, fizzbuzz or whatever, it's not tying like the different classes and the architecture together very well, which I actually think is a good thing. Right, all this doom and gloom that programmers are screwed. I don't. I don't think so. Uh, now, that's not to say that it's not helpful. Right, it's particularly good at things like what is the CSS, you know, stupid browser-specific flag for whatever obnoxious thing Apple makes you do. Right, and I'm seeing the same thing in Copilot, which I think makes sense because aren't isn't it built on GPT? Yeah, yeah, and I, I'm just kind of uh, like I've been trying. The, and this is, I didn't put this in the notes, but I got into the access for the, uh, the Copilot X and the chat interface for it that you can, you can add into Visual Studio Code. Where you're supposed to be able to ask it about your project and whatnot. It has been crashing left and right. Um, and it's been, like, I had, to, I had to keep, like, updating it. And I get it. It's early access, so, you know, whatever. But I'm not sure that this is the, the end of the world that people say it is. Now, I think it's going to help a lot of junior developers muddle through like Stack Overflow does. And I, you know, that as a learning tool, I think it's good. Like, I mean, we've covered this before, but the hard limit of it, one, it, I, I swear it used to do more looking around for data than it does now. Like, it, it just seems generally less aware of the world. So you think there has been some nerfing? I mean, I can't prove it, right? But it feels less useful. I don't know if it's because I'm using it more for stuff. Like one thing that was really weird is that one of the first challenges I gave it was to write me a marketing plan for the the new uh, Alice update. It the first time I did it when I first got into the ChatGPT four months ago, 
it wrote this really good, like I would have paid some consultant, you know, four grand to write it. Now, and, and it referenced the Alice website and like copy off of my website. Now it says it can't reference the website. So I'm wondering if this is like some sort of switch they hit because of all the, you know, Sarah Silverman suing them stuff, right? Like they're getting sued left and right for people allegedly stealing content. Or they, I mean, I don't know, right? This is a thing. I, I don't want to like put too much conspiracy juice into the water here, but it, it certainly seems like its pool of knowledge has become much shallower. Well, I'd like to know if the audience has noticed the same thing. That'd be an interesting little bit of data from you out there. I would say it would make sense that they would be more cautious and that they would stop pulling in as many different sites and that they would expect people to bring that data in through plugins now. Because then it's more implicit on your part or on the producer's part, wherever the website is, or the original source. Um, so I could see them just playing it safe. Uh, I don't know, though. I can't really. I can say it doesn't seem like it's gotten any better. That's my take, is that it's. I've learned what all the chat GPT based stuff is pretty good at and what it sucks at. And even the stuff that it's been traditionally good at, I, I sometimes get. Like I, I asked it one time to do something for me and I said, could you redo it? And it completely changed all of the formatting for me. It changed everything about it and gave me a totally different output, which was totally unusable. And it just completely loses what I'm asking it sometimes still. So I think what it is, is we're just aware of the limits of this tool, but we're still hearing, like I was just on the, on the live stream before the show playing some Bloomberg clips where they're interviewing Sache and Sam Altman and they're just going on about how it's going to change the world. Altman even says in this interview that if there is an AI apocalypse, I'm not kidding you. I'm not making this up. I am not exaggerating. He says, if there is an AI apocalypse, no preparing, no off grid bunker with food, weapons, nothing you can do will save you from the AI apocalypse. If it happens. He said that in this interview. All right. It, come on. Isn't that just like marketing? Come on. My well, that's why I think is... you and I are sitting here scratching our head going, well, wait a minute here. It just doesn't seem that it's, it's not that it maybe it's been nerfed. It's just that we're sort of becoming a little bit bored with it because it, it, it isn't improving. You know, th- th- this is bad. You know what? That kind of talk reminds me of those of though those what? late night comedy central male enhancement commercials you know your stuff is going to be so you know so virile so dangerous that watch you don't do any damage like come on that's bull- it's it's like the same macho marketing nonsense yeah seriously if it can't help me correctly cast uh, f strings from unity to the proper type of encoded string for for uh it's not important the details of what i'm doing but you know to an ns string that is mm-hmm. acceptable to ios without screwing up the formatting, right, then I don't think it's going to kill me or be able to. <laughs> like, it's just, it's just not, you know, I, I literally Googled it and I found, like, some guy's blog who was like, oh, yeah, you have to do this because, uh, you know, reasons, right? Like, UTF formatting stuff. Good old Google. Have you seen all of the Twitter hype around Cursor this weekend? This is no. another one of these. So it's a VS Code fork that is hyper built around AI. And uh, they're using GPT-4. One of the examples I saw that actually seemed kind of useful is I was watching this guy on YouTube and he opens up his whole GitHub repository in this thing. And then he just tells it, hey, could you automatically generate a readme for this? And it looks at everything, figures it all out and generates a basic 
readme.md for his repo, which is kind of neat. It also claims that it can help heal your repository when you're halfway through a refactor. They claim that it can auto-fix errors when they show up in the terminal. People say that it's been pretty good here. I, read, I, I got grabbed a couple of things people are saying. Alex McCaw on Twitter said, Cursor is the best product I've used in a while. I've asked it to write a readme pro- project for working on and analyze the code base. It worked the first time. Satigo on X said, I'm considering dropping visual code as my code editor. I never thought this was going to happen, but here we are. I'm trying Cursor, an AI-first code editor. Artificial intelligence is not a feature for them. It's the whole thing. If you like Visual Studio Code, you'll feel at home in Cursor, except AI is everywhere. Recommend you check them out. This is not a sponsored post. I mean, there's just a lot of hype around this Cursor. I downloaded it. They have an app image for Linux. And to me, it looks like VS Code with a lot more boxes that are distracting me. But all weekend long, I saw people talking about how Cursor is the true GPT-4 IDE and that it truly understands what you're working on and on and on and on. I mean, I'll have to try it. I am skeptical, you know, cautiously optimistic. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting that this is a paid, presumably proprietary, not proprietary, but oh, pay, you pay for the service. Right, it's okay. forked on VS Code. Yeah, you pay, there is an account and you pay for the mm. service. Although I was able to skip the account creation screen that came up and then just start using the app. I don't know about any of the tie-in services. There's a free tier, it looks like. Yeah. Create new tickets for bugs or feature requests. Okay. Yeah, auto-debug, fix, lints. Just, they got all kinds of stuff in here that seems kind of interesting. And the fact that it's multi-platform. They have a GitHub repo just for issues, but I don't see the code up there. So it's cursor.so if you're listening and you want to check it out. I mean, this might be worth your eyes just because you are pretty familiar with these with this tooling and i don't know they're coming out hard i don't know it's definitely worth a a shot i mean it's funny right because we're going to get a lot of these i think editors coming out that are sure Mm -hmm. one it's interesting that it's forked from uh, vs code yeah and it so so it also supports vs code extensions and on the first run it'll ask you if you want to just auto import your existing vs code extensions Oh, you can give it, if you have an OpenAI dev account, you can give it your OpenAI key to run it at, at your own cost instead, yes. of, uh, instead yes. of theirs. All right. Mm-hmm. So that, yeah, I'll, t- I'll give that a shot because I can just... I think the difference would be like, for me, my OpenAI key only gives me GPT-3, where if I go through them, I would get access to GPT-4 without having to pay a whole bunch to... You got to step up to 4. 4 is also much more socially conscious for some reason, which... That's always fun. Yeah, that's fun. You know, humans should. Fo- I'm reading their blog now. Humans should focus on bigger problems. Whoa, I'm getting serious. Elon plus uh, Altman. plus Adam Newman. Fight. And yeah, Altman <laughs> too. He was just saying the same thing earlier. Oh boy. Mm-hmm. Every mm-hmm. time I I hear that, like making the world, I, I get very nervous. Yeah, in this interview with Bloomberg, he says I'll put a link to it in the show notes since I keep referencing it. Uh, he says too that. Uh, you know, people will be doing things that don't look like work today. Some people will be choosing to just sit on the beach. But the thing that I can't wrap my head around is how can we have such an advanced society where some of us are choosing to like research cold fusion if none of us understand the basics, right? Like you have, in order to be a good systems administrator, you should probably understand file permissions. You should understand security a little bit. You should understand networking quite a bit. Like there's these fundamentals you should know in order to be good at something. 
Like to be a rocket scientist, you probably should understand how basic combustion works. But if we create an AI guided society where nobody's doing any trade skills or anything labor involved or anything that like, well, we will lose those skills just like we apparently lost a lot of the skills on how to get a crew to the moon. Or like and we're having to rebuild. Yeah. Right. And, and manufacturing. Yes. There's things we yeah. can no longer manufacture anymore. Right. Well, also, you know, this whole Star Trek future of like, if you want to just chill and own a little tea shop and not, you know, never make money, but it's your passion. Um, I don't think our culture is going to allow that. Right. Because the people doing work are going to resent the people not doing work. Uh, think about how stingy we are with things like, you know, this is the, 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 wannabe junior Republican congressman saying it, but healthcare benefits, right? Child benefits. I, I don't, I just don't see it. I don't see the guy doing cold fusion unless he's truly passionate, uh, being okay with the dude who's just sitting there in a jam band at whatever the hippie version of Starbucks is. Yeah. And it seems like the only way we'd ever even conceivably be able to get to that future is if these things were actually developing at the pace and rate of change that Sam Altman warns us they are. But they're not right. We've clearly we've kind of plateaued. And I say this because, um, you know, I've been trying out the different available tools. I'll talk a little bit more about some of the self-hosted ones I've been trying. And there is some slow improvement and it's they're getting better. But it's not this it's not this tidal wave of change. It's going to revolutionize our our industries. Um, not yet. And I just. I can't believe it. I really can't believe that they're still getting this traction. I'll have to put a link to that interview because it's just, they're so in over at Bloomberg. See, this was like what I was getting to earlier when I mentioned the world of advertising and kind of how you have to talk and everything is you really have to be just hype and pro everything. Because if you come out and you crap on something like chat GPT or the Bing integration or whatever, you're, you're crapping on what they all are betting on to make money right now. And they all notice all the companies notice those guys, that outlet, they crapped on this instead of embracing it. And it's not just sponsor money. They cut off it's access to information. It's they really, they try to isolate you through sponsors, through denying access. And it's a platform. It's this whole system that creates outlets like the verge because the verge is the only way the business model works is if you essentially pump everything for them. And we're just, I guess, going to be stuck with this until some other innovation comes along and the hype cycle transitions to whatever the next thing is, which is seemingly very far out at this point. Yeah. And the other weird thing is like, we're right pre-regulating this stuff when it, I don't think it's as impressive as the marketing. So it seems a little weird. Tailscale.com slash coder. Head on over there right now to get a free personal account for up to 100 devices. It's a fantastic way to support the show, and you can check out something that's simple, secure, and scales to a team of any size. That's Tailscale. It's built on WireGuard. It's a zero-config VPN, and you can get it up and running on any of your devices in just minutes. From mobile to servers, containers to VMs, Tailscale lets you manage and access your resources quickly through a mesh VPN where they talk directly from node to node over what they call a tailnet. And there's a bunch of great tools they provide, like Tailscale SSH, which let you quickly SSH into your devices on your tailnet securely from anywhere using your Tailscale controls. Tailscale is great for software developers who need to set up ad hoc networking, and you don't want to fuss with setting up a firewall and all the subnet stuff. Or maybe you're in an enterprise 
And you don't want the hassle of the giant VPN hardware and all of the administration that comes with that. Tailscale lets you move quick, but lets you manage it with tools that scales to a team of any size. And they have so many fantastic things in the ecosystem around Tailscale now. The awesome VS Code extension just got a major upgrade. Now you can seamlessly navigate and edit any of the files on any node in your Tailnet all powered by Tailscale SSH right there inside VS Code. Huge for me. I much prefer to edit my configuration files through VS Code, and I have all of my servers on Tailscale. Huge for me. It's probably going to be huge for you. Go check out the Tailscale VS Code plugin. There's lots of other nice features too, like Tailscale Send, which is kind of like AirDrop for all of your Tailnet devices. I also use Tailscale to help remote connect into my family machines, like my kids' computers to do troubleshooting, and devices are secured by WireGuard's noise protocol, so you know you can trust it. So go try it for free for up to 100 devices and unlimited subnets while you're also supporting the show. It is the definition of a game changer. You go to tailscale.com slash coder. You sign up and support the show, get the 100 devices for free, and it's going to really improve the way you do networking. Try it out. Support the show. Tailscale.com slash coder. Okay, so some real-time follow-up. I have installed Cursor. It just ran the import my... Extensions. Uh, extensions, thank you. From VS Code. Um, I gave it my open AI key. It is... Who's freaking out? Someone's, okay, GitHub is... Yeah, okay. So GitHub, what do you call it? Copilot wants me to log in. That makes sense. But theoretically, I don't need to log in with Copilot, right? That's what I was thinking. Because it asked me that too. I'm like, does it use both? I did not log into Copilot, but I thought right. about it. So let's let's try a real experiment here. Let's go. Will that work? Internal Alice. Okay, open. I know Copilot. You hate it when you're not authorized, but just wait, my my darling. Well, it even took my setting that I put the menu bar on the right instead of the left. Oh, is, that's nice. So it imported also some of your overall UI settings. I didn't. I didn't even notice that. It doesn't seem to have. Is it because it's not it's not big enough? Okay. I gotta make that one. Okay, so they have a slightly different UI. All right. So can it run my little beautiful build stuff? Let's see. Let's do a build on the front end version of Alice that isn't out yet. Ooh, that yeah. works. Okay. It is, huh? Okay, good, good. Which is makes sense because that's a VS extension. Okay, so it says command L to chat, command K to generate. Should we chat? Yeah, let's try it. All right, so let's go. That's one of their big uh, pitches is that you can chat with your project. Make the instructor, uh, constructor, instructor, take a optional chart data value as its input. Ooh. What'd you get in back? A code that it, oops. Okay, it's so uh, return does not do what I think it does. Let's try that again. Make the constructor take an optional chart data as an input. Okay. I'm going to accept it. Okay, so it didn't notice the other constructor. So uh, the TypeScript thing is correctly saying that that's wrong. But... I will say, here I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna throw it in the chat. Yeah, 
it's a little, I would say, very like what the code pilot might generate, kind of okay. naive, doesn't actually validate the data itself. But maybe I should have told it that. But that is not crazy. I mean, that is, you know, for, for just getting like a, a first run, I would probably take that. Yeah, okay. Like I'd probably go, I'd, I'd probably want to go a step further and make sure, because like the labels and data sets fields are required to actually render the graph. But yeah. Pass the first test. That's the first first. All right, so I'll, <laughs> I'll give this a run. I'll run with this for for a couple of days. All right. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll try to remember to uh, try to remember to ask you about it next week. <laughs> so you've been playing around with MetaGPT a little bit. Uh, I've also been playing around with a tool for a bit, but mine's a little different. Tell me about MetaGPT. This seems pretty neat. Yeah, MetaGPT is a little different. Um, it, it you first of all you run it locally, so it reminds me a lot of the philosophy behind that old My- Mycroft AI. Yeah. If you remember that. I do. So I, I have it running on a very, very overworked DO droplet. It has this concept of different actors. So it spins up different AI agents that fo- have the following roles. Product manager, project manager, architect, and developer. And it basically, very Unixy passes your request to each of them in succession down to the developer. Its strongest language is Python. Uh, so far, I've been able to do like trivial things with it, like little test cases. But it is, for those of you who are more in the I want to host everything myself vein, it's a pretty interesting option to look at, and it is very early days. So this is interesting. It's essentially filtering it down through different agents that have assumed roles and then it's taking their output and providing it to the next agent in the line. And then I guess it's ultimately giving you something that's been filtered through all of them and the end product is usable. Uh, Yes. Like trivial things are usable. Like if you're a comp sci student and you want to cheat some, you got, get yourself a 10 buck uh, Linode or DO droplet and you're good to go. (laughs) Okay. Uh, You know, those kind of like, (laughs) it doesn't understand like larger scale things. It, It doesn't, like in many of these things, it doesn't seem to understand how to look for uh, like third-party APIs, right? It doesn't like get that yet, but it does know how to say like in theory, how would you generate like a REST API for this? Well, that would be really powerful if it could eventually tie into, you know, like your Kanban board or something like that, your calendar, things like that as well. Well, it feels like an open source project that's destined to get either, you know, completely Sherlocked by some big right. company mm-hmm. or like the developers just get acquired. Yeah, that's I, I sort of feel like that about Surge, which is something I've been playing with, which is also a self-hosted app. What's kind of neat about this is everything is CPU optimized. So I throw it up on a high CPU Linode and even there, it's still kind of slow because you, if you go the CPU route, you you really need a lot of CPU cores. But what's neat about this is it essentially lets you throw all of the various large language models that are out there on the internet into this thing and tweak their settings and try out each one of them. And it even gives you a UI to just download them. So you don't even have to go out and find all the different models. It'll give you an interface and they're huge. It'll give you like the low memory, the large memory, and it has some of Facebook's more recent stuff, not the most recent, but it has a lot of that and it has some of the uh, open source chat GPT stuff and the different models you can throw in there. And it's fun to play with them. And, uh, you, you know, it's good at basic questions. 
and then you try a different model and you can tweak the settings and it gives you all of the knobs. None of the things that chat GPT or Bard give you all of the public stuff has been, has been really kind of bolted down. The results are often better on the public services because they have just ginormous inconceivable resources behind them. And they've also finely tuned them for generating the kind of answers people typically want. Whereas this, you have to fine tune yourself, but because you can run it on your own system, it's all essentially Docker based. And I mean, I think I got it up in minutes and I'm pretty sure it's just Docker based and it gives you that built in access to all the other large language models you might want to try. It's such a fun experimental tool. As long as you have some CPU cores, it's, it's mostly written in Python. There's a little TypeScript in there and a few other things, but I'll put a link to it. It's called Surge, S-E-R-G-E, and it's uh, Large Language Models Made Easy. And it's all CPU-optimized stuff, too, so it kind of reduces the barrier of entry. It will be slow, though, but it's a lot of fun to play with if you've got a machine you can throw it on that has some CPU cores. It's, that's the stuff. Like when I, And then one day, you know, I'll be able to... I'll be able to point that at like notes.jupiterbroadcasting.com or the RSS feeds and transcripts. And then wouldn't that be cool to have like a self-hosted Jupiter chat GPT interface where you could ask it questions. Hey, when did the guys talk about this? Because a lot of times in our telegram group happened to me just last night, somebody says, Hey Chris, you mentioned a movie in this episode of Linux unplugged. Do you remember what movie or TV show you were talking about? And I'm an old man. Of course I have a bad memory. I forget. But if I, you know, if I had something like that, it would be so handy. And there's so many use cases for those types of things. And I love playing around with the self-hosted stuff. Four score and seven boosts to go. All right. Well, Two Way Six came in with 33,404 sats. I like that number a lot. Hey, rich Coming in with Fountain, he says, hey, buddies, listening to Coda Radio since 2019. Well, hey, buddy, back at you. That's great. He says, I'm uh, switching from a Python scripting civil engineer into a software engineering role, which wouldn't have been possible without this here show. It kept me up to date, showed me what to look out for and which technologies to invest my time into. Bingo. Keep up the good work. Greetings from Germany. Well, thank you, 2A6. All the way from Germany. I'm glad we could help you stay up to date. You know, it's it's one of our jo- It's our duty. And we take it seriously. Not Mr. Dominic. He, he doesn't. But. No, I don't take anything seriously. <laughs> oh, I kid. The Golden Dragon comes in with 10,240 sats from Fountain. He says, sending in my weekly love to the show. A bubble boost. We're loving you too. Thank you, Golden Dragon. Oh, and uh, Ki- or, sorry, Kiro comes in. I call him Cairo. K-I-R-O FM 97.3, Tacoma, Seattle. Your world. Because one of our local radio stations, of course, is K-I-R-O. He comes in with 15,801 sats using Podverse. He says, I completely agree with Mike on his take with Python and TypeScript. You should. I'm always right. (laughs) I even thought he'd say TypeScript first before the snake. I'm basically doing TypeScript full time now for both front end and back end React and Nest.js. And it's just fantastic. I do like, I do feel like I'm lacking knowledge a little bit. I tried to avoiding at TS ignore comments all over the place. And he provides a great TypeScript learning resource a uh, getbook.io resource, which we'll put in the show notes. Doesn't know if it's been mentioned on the show, and I don't think it has, so we'll include it. Yeah, that's actually a really good point, too, because it's, it's a really easy crutch to just TS ignore your way to glory in the beginning. Mm. Um, I would say if there's like one rule you really don't like, you can just go ahead and, what is it, TS config? 
I don't know. I, I have one that I use all the time, but just do it globally. Um, but really as little as possible, right? Cause kind of the whole point of TypeScripts is the type checking and the little more strictness to make your code, hopefully maintainable in the future. Neural Pete comes in with 15,000 sats. Good customers are as rare as Latinum. Treasure them. The Nagus. Yeah. I was watching, have you ever seen Pluto TV? They have two Star Trek channels now. It's like a free streaming service and they got a, 24 7 ds9 channel now <laughs> you could watch them at the same time i do thankfully yes. the, sometimes the commercials most of them are offset so i can flip between the tng channel and the ds9 channel <laughs> yes and it's just great because it picks for me you know uh neural writes on my last clean slate project i chose node.js because i wasn't very familiar with it i did make a change and I upgraded from es6 to typescript and i was very happy i did typescript is great to write in that being said on my next project, you convinced me that Python and Fast API were the new hotness, so I'm going down the rabbit hole, and I am enjoying it so far. Thank you. Okay, well, well, hang on now, right? Like, if you're already doing well with TypeScript and Node, I mean, I'm not the biggest Node fan, but, you know, it's, it's all about getting your project done. Having, and though, with that said, if you are going to, you know, bite the snake a little bit here, Fast API is great. You get the concurrency stuff. Although, like, Flask is catching up. It's so funny that things that were, like, the new hotness in Fast API, a lot of the other similar frameworks are kind of getting there. Um, yeah, and I would... Yeah, geez, I would just recommend that you uh, pay close attention to how you're doing the async await stuff in Fast API, especially when it comes to database access. Um, particularly with Postgres. Don't hesitate. Just embrace your snake master status. Well, it's just like Stargate, right? You you have to embrace the uh, the, the Guawulds. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the gig comes in with a row of ducks. Love you guys. Keep up the good work. Hope we get another Sonic ding. Well, spoiler alert, not this week, the gig, but I hope so too. Altair the Blue comes in with 10,100 sats using Fountain. I've got a fun question. I've been out of day-to-day coding for some time, and I worked my way up the ladder going from sales to process management. I've recently been wanting to get back to coding more instead of managing flowcharts, and I'm rebuilding my skill set. That said, I can't afford to transition to a junior dev position. Not enough pay. Any suggestions for how to get back to the creative side of the industry without a quality of life cut? Not against paying dues, but I need to feed the family also. Maybe, uh start getting into like sales engineering that was my thinking yeah that's probably the best halfway step right and there is actually if if it's something you enjoy selling there can be a fair amount of creativity expression and uh technical skills needed for that is sales engineering and it sounds like you could probably leverage your existing resume to move to that additionally it also gives you an avenue to continue to learn your development skills because you are sort of in that role. It's a pretty good justification to stay up to date and potentially make another transition one day. You do have to take it a little more considered if you have a family to consider, which it sounds like you're doing. Yeah, so, yeah, that's smart. Let us know how it goes, Altair. User 66 came in with 10,000 sat. Boost, new listener, first time booster. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you, everybody who boosted in. Uh, we did get one under the cutoff, but I wanted to uh, just give it a shout out since it's about a topic I love. BHH came in with a thousand sats saying, boosting everything in my fountain wallet just to say, I wonder if Oracle is going to try to add this to the U.S. government. Having, oh, with the Java, the Java licensing mm-hmm. hunt, having contracted now being a Fed myself, I know for a fact 
Java licensing is not in the contracts and it is used heavily. Well, let's hope it's that open JDK. Yeah, maybe maybe Oracle does. You know, they build their case in the private sector for a while and then they go after the public sector. Done. There, done, there might be done. more sensitivity there, though, because they do have giant government contracts already. Great point. I bet they would come in a little more conciliatory. I wonder, although the government will end up paying. I, I Ooh, yeah, I know they're going to get that sweet, sweet Uncle Sam Social Security money. Well, and, you know, when things tighten up, I, I mean, I think they're going to continue to tighten up well yeah, into we, next year. Yeah, we got another year of this crap. Yeah, I think so. Although, so. although I'm already hearing whispers of people being like, gee, I do miss the old days. Can't we just, just like burr a little bit, run the printer a little? <laughs> Well, you never know. Like, listen, we'll, we'll just we'll just have two crazy VC martinis. We can stop. We can stop whenever we want. No, just one more. What's, round. what's that? A, a full room of toner? Well, I mean, we might as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Shout out to Dave Jones too, who sends in a weekly ten thousand sat boost. You're doing a good job. We had nine boosters out of the tens of thousands of people that listen. Nine people boosted in eleven boosts across all of those. And we made 107, 767,000 sats. We fell just short of that 200,000 sat goal. But uh, if you've never considered boosting before, now could be your, could be your moment to step up and shine. And uh, don't just leave it on the burden of these nine boosters. Let's get a few more folks in there. You can get Albie. If you don't want to switch podcast apps, get Albie.com. Top it off directly. They got a couple of methods. Or you can just grab some sats using something like the Cash App or Strike. It's all on the Lightning Network. There's like a bajillion ways you can do it. But these are the ones I kind of recommend. You send those stats over to Albie. You go to the podcast index. That's podcastindex.org. You find Coda Radio. The boost is just embedded right there. It's really easy. We also have some links on our website. Or you can try out a podcast app that has all the 2.0 features. We're working on some cool experiments and new things for JB shows, so you might want to try it. A lot of these boosters, we're using a new podcast app at newpodcastapps.com. Go try it out. And, of course, thank you to our members. We appreciate everything you do. You're the Coder QA crew, and you are our boo. We appreciate you. Mr. Dominic, is there anywhere you'd like to send the good people before we go to Alice.dev and you can find me on the Twitters or thread, but I really don't spend much time there. anymore. I think it's, I think, I think you got to call it X now. I can't call it X without hearing the X-Men song from the nineties. Oh yeah. 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 It's so dumb. (laughs) I'm just going to plug the matrix details at coder.show slash matrix. We have a chat room that goes all week long, and then it, they're just a great resource during the live show. We're chatting with them as we go. We're hanging out on the live stream. Details at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar for your lifetime. Get it locally computed for you. Of course, links to what we talked about today are coder.show slash 532. You'll find our contact form. We love to get your emails. And, of course, you'll also find our RSS feeds there. So you can get the show whenever you want, automatically. Thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of the Coder Radio Program. And we'll see you right back here next week.